and how much meat are U.S. pets eating? It's actually crazy because you like U.S. pets rank fifth worldwide. So if you could imagine, it's a sovereign nation of cats and dogs in the U.S. They rank fifth worldwide. So you have people in China, people in the U.S., people in Russia, people in Brazil, and after that, you have cats and dogs in America. Welcome to the With a Dog podcast, a podcast for the modern dog parent. We interview veterinarians, trainers, products, and game-changing pet parents about how you can get the most out of life with a dog. We're your hosts. I'm Carly. And I'm Izzy. This week, we're interviewing one of the co-founders behind Chippin, an all-natural dog treat made with hypoallergenic, sustainable proteins. Fast fact, our pets consume 30% of the global meat produced. The founders, Laura and Haley, have created an amazing dog treat that uses sustainable proteins, such as spirulina and crickets, as well as using recyclable packaging. We talk about how they got started and why these pet treats are taking the pet world by storm, and also why we should be thinking about our pet's carbon paw print. Carbon paw print. Paw print. Paw print. Paw print. (laughs) Paw print. Paw print. Paw print. Paw print. <laughs> oh my god. Um, we were so happy to have Chippin on. They came highly recommended by our previous guest, uh, Ashley from Jonathan's Journal. We bought the treats ourselves. Our dogs love them, um, which honestly is not that hard to do considering they will eat anything. But it's more, I think for me, it was more of a peace of mind knowing that the treat is very healthy and also environmentally friendly. I would definitely agree with that. Um, I also loved how passionate Laura was just about climate change in general. Um, I think it's very rare that you meet someone with that fire. Mm-hmm. And I love how she's turned that, well, her and Haley have turned that into a business that's helping pets, helping the environment. Also, she's Italian, so it reminded me of my family. And is- Izzy is from Britain, though, guys. I'm England. From, I'm from England, <laughs> but I'm half Italian. <laughs> plot twist so it's just very nice to speak to someone with a lovely accent yes i also love the amount of research that went that has gone into chipping so it's science-based and i think a lot of people are wanting that from the world right now is everything needs to be backed up by science which chipping is which is amazing bam bam I mean, we say it at the top of every episode, you know, we interview products and game-changing pet parents, and I think Chippin has both. You know, they saw a niche in the market. They were like, is it niche or niche? I say niche. Niche. Yeah. Oh, shit. Whatever. They saw an opening in the market. They saw a gap where something wasn't being filled. You know, they wanted an environmentally friendly, sustainable product that was healthy for the world as well as their dogs. And they were like, let's just do it ourselves. Let's make it. And that they did. That they did. I think it's so cool. I mean, they they got both of them are now on the Forbes 30 under 30 list, which is amazing. And yeah, I'm just in total awe. Yeah. Loved this episode, this interview. And I love their products. Yeah, we're always suckers for the entrepreneur stories. And um, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I just think they're so inspiring and I hope everyone enjoys it as much as we did. Yeah. Well, let's get into it. Yeah. Let's uh, jump right in. So if you could introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about Chippin. Yeah. 
Well, nice to meet you. Um, so happy to be here, guys. Uh, my name is Laura, and I'm one of the Chipin co-founder. Um, and Chipin is, you know, how we like to say it's high quality, low carbon pop print. So it's like the best food products that you can possibly get for for your dog, but with a low carbon pop print. We started Chipin out of our own desire to to feed our pets with the best food possible and also out of our own desire to be chipping in um, mm-hmm. and doing something that was kind of good for our pets and and the planet. Uh, I get it. Chipping. Okay. I get yes. it. <laughs> yeah. At first I was thinking because crickets, I was thinking like chirp, but then I was like, no, mm-hmm. that's chirping partly. I was like, so I was like okay, chip in. That makes sense. That does make sense. I did wonder about how the name got started. Yeah. <laughs> we love yeah. entrepreneur stories. So, yeah, no, I mean, I, and I can tell you so much about the story, but I think, you know, if you think of the name Chip in, it's really just what can you do to chip in, right? What can you do that it's like simple, kind of a no brainer, but at scale has a massive impact. And then we wanted the name to be something fun. We wanted the name to be something that people could remember, something that reminds you of like, you know, something chipper, something exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think climate change is such a heavy topic. It's such an overwhelming topic. And dog food nutrition is also crazy confusing, right? Mm-hmm. So like thinking of those two things, which is kind of not necessarily the most positive, how do we make them like fun, exciting and and easy to do and, and access? Yes, love it. So you said, are you guys both dog moms, you and Haley? Yes. Okay. Yes. So yes. what inspired you? to start chipping then? Yeah. So I think, you know, that I think it's one of those things where like you buy food for your dog, you buy products for your dog and, and, and it's kind of a unique experience, right? Because you, you, you want to buy the best product for, for your pets. And and when you think of a pet food, it's kind of a strange thing because you go to the store and you have you know, this big plastic bag, even if you're buying online, you have like this big plastic bag with traditional protein in it. It's not really clear what actually is inside. Mm-hmm. It's not really clear how much your dog should have of it. Um, and ultimately, like, I think for me and Haley, um, we had adjusted our own lifestyle. We had started feeding ourselves in a way that, in a way that was more kind of planet friendly. Uh, we're not vegan, but you know, the, there's so many ways that you can start replacing your protein so that, um, they, they're good for your body and, you know, and the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, from anything from our clothes to our shoes, um, we kind of started thinking about how can we be more conscious consumers? And then it came to our dog. And as I said, like, you know, you're buying this like huge plastic bag full of traditional protein. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not how you would want to feed yourself. It's not how you would want to feed your animal. And so for us, it was like, how do we make this different? How do we create pet food that is delicious? super nutritious and and ultimately has a low carbon print, right which is like it does it has a, a good impact on uh, on the planet and uses a fraction of the resources that would otherwise be required and i can talk about the carbon print in a second too yeah oh my gosh i think that's so true we actually we had an episode with a similar topic a couple uh months ago and it was about sustainable sustainably made dog products so like toys and clothes and things like that and it's it it is it's like you want to be more cognizant of your you as you're a consumer like as a consumer what are you purchasing and how is it affecting the earth 
And I think that's so cool that you guys not only were conscious of that as consumers, but then went out and changed the game. Yeah. Too, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and and I love that you're saying that because it's so true. Like with apparel, with with things that are like kind of toys and apparel, I think that this shift is happening in a pretty massive way. I think all companies are changing the way that they do things, and that's exactly what we saw with pet food. We felt that like every single company was changing the way they were doing things to be more innovative and um and and to be conscious in the way everything they were doing was sourced, and and that wasn't happening in pet food, and so. Um, we thought it was a huge opportunity to to do something big and and do it right and um and do it really tasty, yeah. <laughs> which I'm sure the dogs appreciate too. <laughs> um, so you had um this opportunity. You kind of said that um you know you found this gap in the market. What did you do from there? Like how how did Chip In come to fruition? Yeah, so I would say that you know the, developing a food product is a huge undertaking. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very, it's very rigorous. It's a very rigorous process. Um, it's a very serious one because obviously like, you know, food is, uh, you know, it's a kind of the most important decision that we make for our dogs mm-hmm. for their health and for the well-being. Um, and it's also one that requires, you know, required like our own knowledge plus the support and expertise of experts. So when we started, we started just by actually like researching all the ingredients, um, researching all the protein. And, and it was really helpful because, you know, Haley, my co-founder, she actually had built a cricket farm um, at some point. And, you know, so she had like a deep understanding of the industry, a deep understanding of like the supply chain, a deep understanding of like how do you actually um, use alternative protein um, to create um, kind of about, you know, a product that's um, nutritionally great and you know, taste delicious. So, uh, so that was her expertise that she brought on. And, and on my end, I came from like a food brand background. So I was able to think about how do consumers think about protein and, and how do consumers think about a new protein, right? And so for us, we started with, um, we started with cricket because, you know, I guess, as I said, we had this very unique insight into, into how good cricket protein was. Um, and then we expanded to, a different kind of a, a old set of alternative proteins, which you know, you know, which you now can see like the spirulina. We have a food product coming out, so that is like at a high level, kind of conceptually, like what it looked like on a day to day. We literally started in our kitchen, so like we literally started like making this in our own Gresco apartment in our own kitchen, and and then we started going to a commercial kitchen, um, and then um, working with um, a small, uh, you know highest level of manufacturing and so that's the other thing that it's super important like we know all of our partners we know every single we know down to where the food comes from we know um like that kind of really traceable and um transparent sourcing has been key since the beginning because as we went from doing it in our own kitchen where obviously we could see everything that was happening to doing it in like a more kind of um, established and, and set up way um we wanted to keep that level and that level of attention to details and the level of, of, of care for the product. And I think that's, um, you see it in human food where, you know, if you buy like a can of tuna, you can track where that fish was caught. Yeah. And you're totally right that that's not transferred into pets, but it's definitely something that humans want. I think no matter mm-hmm. who you're buying it for, whether it's for you, yourself or if it's for your dog or if it's food or if it's 
toys or if it's clothes, that everyone is looking for those more sustainable products. Um, so I think it's just great that you guys noticed the niche in the market and then also had the insight. It was kind of like the perfect match of fate that kind of <laughs> world chip in time to us. So thank you yeah. for taking the opportunity and, and making the leap. Plus, I mean, perfect timing as well as it sounds like a shit ton of hard work. Yes. <laughs> I'm sure. It's not hard work. It's just not hard work. And that's like the part of like, I think even, you know, the, because we had, like we had work experience. So we knew how to make it look professional. We knew, to, we almost knew how to make it look like not a small business when we still are a small business today, mm-hmm. you know? Even when we started, our packaging looked good. Our our product tasted awesome. And so people sometimes like looked at us and thought that we were like a huge company when truly we were just like me and Haley. And now we have like me and Haley, Danny and Danny, but it's still like us kind of hustling and uh, and making things happen. But it, it's just kind of funny because, um, you know, sometimes I think that if we had a brown bag, like people maybe would think that we were a small business versus like we have like, you know, post-consumer recycled content packaging and all these like, <laughs> things that almost make it look fancy. And so, yeah, it's kind of funny. It <laughs> is. No, it's so... Okay, this is a little bit off topic, but I was listening to a podcast the other day and it was with Katie Storino. Um, if people don't know who she is, go look her up. She's amazing. She is also a dog mom of a bunch of little cavaliers and uh, rescues them. But she's, she's very big into the like, body positivity mu- movement. But she made a point of saying, Brands who make a, like, it's not about what money they have and it's not about what time they have. It's if they make it a priority, then it will happen. And so she was speaking about having um, inclusive sizes for all, you know, all body shapes. But I love what you just said about, like, it sounds like you made it a priority. You made the recyclable packaging, you know, like all that kind of stuff a priority, even though you were small. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So. You mentioned it before, but can you tell us more about the carbon paw print? Carbon paw print. (laughs) So, like, what is it? How does how bad is it in the world? And how do you guys kind of help? Yeah, absolutely. So the the carbon paw print is um it's it's a huge problem. I would say like it's a kind of a super urgent and and relevant issue. Um, I mean, I think that the best way that I have to, to think about it is this, like think how many people, you know, that have a dog, mm-hmm. like almost everybody, you know, has a dog, right? So what that means is that actually there are um, 180 million pets in the US. Um, so it's a very sizable, significant population. And, um, and, and, and what they eat plays a significant role within the food system. Um, my favorite fun fact is actually around um, when you look at like meat consumption and like global annual meat consumption, and you look at how much meat are people in the United States eating, how much meat are people in Brazil eating, and how much meat are U.S. pets eating, it's actually crazy because you like U.S. pets rank fifth worldwide. So if you could imagine a sovereign station of a sovereign nation of cats and dogs in the U.S., they rank fifth worldwide. So you have people in China, people in the U.S., people in Russia. People in Brazil, and after that, you have cats and dogs in America. Oh my god! So I know you guys spend time in London, um, <laughs> and one of you is from England. So people in England, in the entire UK, actually, <laughs> are eating less meat than cats and dogs in America. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm from Italy. People in Italy, the entire country of Italy, are eating less meat than cats and dogs in the US. And and what's crazy actually is that, and again, confirming, I am not. 
like vegan, I think there are, there are a handful of ways to enrich your diet so that you're reducing your meat consumption. But, you know, the, uh, and I think that that's the first kind of very critical, important step. But what's crazy is that when you look at, you know, what is the most common allergen that like, what is the most common allergies for cats and dogs in the US actually is beef and chicken. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you guys know someone whose dog is allergic to beef and chicken because there you go. (laughs) Right. Exactly. So, um, so that's what I'm saying. So I think that like what, what I think was a really interesting problem for us was that, you know, isn't just, Oh, how much meat are US pets eating is how much meat are US pets eating? Is this actually really good for them? Um, and what is the impact that this has on the planet? And so pet food produces 64 million tons of greenhouse gases just in America every year. Um, one really visual way, I'm a very visual person, so like a great visual way to think about it is that um, American pets effectively produce, like just the food that we, we feed them produces more greenhouse gases than uh, driving 13.6 million cars for a year. So. Wow. That's crazy. So you can think of like, you know, if you, if, if you like all of the people in Seattle driving cars, all of the people in Los Angeles driving cars, all of the people in New York driving cars, like that is still like the equivalent of what we feed our pet, like the same carbon impact that, um, that, that we feed our pet. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of crazy. It is crazy. And also just kind of going back to the allergy thing is, anyone who has a dog with allergies knows that it's really, really difficult to find a food that doesn't have chicken in, even if it's lamb and rice or, you know, turkey and whatever. It's always in there somewhere. Yeah. 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 And that's the other thing that, you know, when we started chipping, we, we, we decided to your point of like, you know, what you focus on is where you, where you get out. Right. And so when we started chipping, we decided to say like, our ingredients are always going to be limited. And there's not going to be anything such as like our ingredients are always going to be limited. Our ingredients are always going to be the picture that you see behind the bag. Like mm-hmm. if you if you think of our chicken bag, you can turn it in the back and like you can see all the ingredients and there is an image for all of them. Right. And it's typically less than than 12 ingredients um, is going to be the same thing for the food is less than 12 ingredients. Um, and you know exactly what it is. There isn't such as a hidden ingredient that you're like, oh, wait, I thought this was lamb, but somehow there's chicken, you know? Yeah. And so let's address the elephant in the room. Let's talk about crickets. <laughs> yeah. How did crickets happen? And how how does it help the overall like carbon paw print? And it's so unique. I'm I'm interested in how it how you guys came upon cricket protein. Yeah, yeah. So cricket protein, as I was saying, Haley, which is my co-founder, had started her own crickle cricket vertical farm. Mm-hmm. Um, like which for, is you know, for chipping or just for fun i mean it started we were in grad school at the time and and she had applied for a grant and she won the grant to to understand like if there was a different way to think about protein in a way that wasn't as resource intensive and so it's it's pretty amazing because you can actually grow a lot of crickets in a very small space um and they're still living in humane mm-hmm. like relative to you know when you think of how cows are living all like stacked stacked up next to each other which is terrible for them um and so like, you know, in, in a very small space, it's super efficient. You, you, you can, you can, you mainly harvest and raise and harvest uh, thousands of crickets. And, um, and so that's like how she started and, and then started experimenting with recipes to see kind of what was landing. Um, and cricket and insects at large are actually a 
it it a protein that it's pretty common in a lot of countries outside of the U.S. So, like you know, in Mexico is like chapulinas. In South Africa, they also use crickets. Um, in several countries, um, there isn't anything strange about um, about eating insects. I will say that in the Western world, um, the there's still somewhat of a yak factor. Like there's still like a like kind of something strange, and um, and and I think. I mean, it's just a lot of it is a function of food marketing mm-hmm. um, and, you know, whatever we've been exposed to, right? Like, even if you think of traditional protein, like when you think of eating a steak, you don't think of a cow stacked in an industrial farm situation. You think of just a fresh, like you just think of the flavors and however the concept of a steak has been presented to you over time, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that that is a, a interesting, like, thing to ask yourself every time you buy a food product, like, how much of it, your perception of it has been impacted by um, by just culture, right? And so that was a critical question for us too, as we were building a brand, because ultimately, like, we never wanted people to see Chipin as, oh, whoa, this is strange. We wanted people to see Chipin as, oh, wait, this is really cool. It's kind of different, but it's really cool and is good for my dog and is good for the planet, right? And so that's where, like, I'm more than happy to talk about cricket, but like, we never focus our like just our company on cricket exclusively because we saw ourselves as being able to introduce it all sort of alternative protein and all sort of natural premium quality protein that wasn't traditional protein. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how we thought about it because we didn't want people to, to feel weird about the protein that they were buying yeah. in any way, shape or form. And you don't want it to be um, a novelty either yeah Yeah. and we didn't want it to be a novelty either and i will say i think that there are a couple things to be said the number of people that have told me oh my god my dogs love crickets and eats them in my backyard all the time (laughs) um i think was a great like you know when you were talking about like how you guys started we spent a ton of times at dog parks when we first started like we spent a ton of times testing this product with like thousand pet parents at dog park we did over 500 hours of like just listening to pet parents and like how they were feeding their dog, how they were thinking about it, what were the issues they were facing when deciding what food to buy, what the issues they were facing when introducing a new food. So like we did a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton of like kind of user research, right, as we started. But I will say that like, you know, initially we maybe thought like, oh, people maybe will think something we are crickets. And actually that has not happened. I would say it's rare that someone says like, oh, I don't really want to like feed cricket. Typically it's like, oh, wow, my dog's, I've seen my dog eating crickets all the time. This must be great. Yeah. Um, and so that is one point. The other thing is that I think for us, like the biggest thing wasn't presenting something that, I mean, I think for me, chipping is always being about normalizing mm-hmm. an alternative protein because if something can be done better and it's more nutritious and it's tastier, like we shouldn't be talking about it as a, like the one-off. We should be talking about it as this is the new norm. Yeah. And they do say that in i mean in human food that crickets over the next 10 years are going to become more of a normal thing within our diets i can't remember where i read it but i read it no i mean there's plenty of like there's a ton of research on like we actually work with a worldwide expert psychologist on uh, he's on an excellent show Paul Rosin, um, and we worked with him on around what is the perception that it, we were happy to have him at, at, at our university. And so um, he was willing to, he was super interested in the project and he was willing to kind of work with us on it. And, you know, the question was really, 
trying to understand what is the perception around insects and and how would people think about um, feeding them to their dog. And I think that the reality is, as pet parent, you just want to know what it is. Mm-hmm. You want to know, like, what is it going to do to your dog? And then I would say when we started, it was less of a kind of obvious thing. But there was already a growing number of eco-conscious pet parents. And now I would say, actually, like, that has grown significantly. And and I think it's almost just like everybody's sustainable. Um but I think that that aspect also matter to a lot of people. Yeah, I think for sure it's, I think you guys strike the right balance. As you said, you know, it's not about the novelty of crickets, but it's about normalizing alternative protein sources, reducing the carbon paw print. But I also really like that you guys do it um, or that you've started out with treat form. Because mm-hmm. I think as a as a dog mom, that's such an easier way to introduce it into a diet rather than a switch from like their full food into like an alternative protein. Yeah. And it's not, you know, I think um, certain like vegan brands and stuff have gotten bigger um, as far as in dog food too. And I think that's like a whole nother question of like health and that's almost too big of a jump personally yeah. for me. Like, and you know, I would fear that, but I think, Alternative protein in treat form, you know it's good for the environment. Yeah. It's, it's a very easy, it's an easy switch. stone, I think. And yeah. as far as, you know, what you're feeding your dog, it's like I've seen my dog eat poop. So, you know, anything is probably <laughs> good for him. <laughs> yeah. And I think that, like, I think for us, it's like, you know, this idea of like normalizing it and, and while normalizing it, making it exciting and, and really build the group of pet parents that uh, could see why. It was better, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like, because if you know, I mean, because think about it, like, once you know that by feeding this to your dog, your dog is going to have a healthier gut, which I'll talk about in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, if you know that, like, you know, by doing this to your dog, like your dog is going to have a healthier gut, he's going to feel better inside. And then that you're also like saving like 40 gallons of water. Like, it's almost like a no brainer. Yes. Like, if you could say like, hey, like, by doing this, you like, you're doing like better twice, like you're doing good twice. Like, I don't know anybody that would say like, oh, I don't want to. Yeah. When you lay it out like that. Yeah. Why would you do anything yeah. else? Mm-hmm. Right. Why would you do anything else? Yeah. So as a bit of a comparison, just for the listeners, um, in terms of cricket protein and chicken, what are the comparisons mm-hmm. in protein? So, um, okay. So the, the, the thing to like, like kind of specify before we go into this is that like on all of our treats, when you develop like a food product and that was talking about like how rigorous the process is and, you know, the regulation and kind of really just understanding the science and, and nutrition is a, a, like a, a science um, and an art too, because <laughs> you also have to like think about the life. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so like, you know, the first thing to understand is that, you know, when we developed our tree, like we had a specific kind of protein goal in mind which was that we didn't want our treat to be more or less protein than what a normal treat would be and so we kind of aligned it um we have like four flavors now uh, and and so it flax rate between um like you know we kind of aligned it we were like what well, we felt was the right like nutritionally right amount uh, of protein compared to like the kind of top three brands um so that is like on the tree product itself, as far as like, you know, what it is, like, does he have more or less protein than, than, you know, a, a regular tree product? No, he has like the same quantity, protein quantity. What is interesting about the protein itself, 
um, is that when you take a pound of cricket and when you take a pound, a pound of cricket protein and when you take a pound of chicken, cricket protein is 80% protein. So like out of that pound, 80% of it is protein versus when you take a pound of chicken, it's only 30% protein. Oh. Is it just like fat and water that, like, and right? Okay. Exactly. So what that means is that like for you to make food and knowing how much protein your dogs need to eat, you need a lot more chicken to provide like that much protein. So gotcha. like we always say like a little chirps goes a long way because a pound of cricket gives you enough protein that you can make, you know, like that you can make a lot of food versus like one pound of chicken doesn't give you that much protein. So then like to make pet food, especially at scale, then you need a lot more chicken or you need a lot more beef, which then if you think about from a supply chain perspective, how that impacts our environment, that means that you need a lot more water to uh, produce that one pound of, of meat that your dog can eat. You need a lot more land to produce that one pound that your dog can eat. You need a lot more labor. Yeah. You need a lot. Um, and you end up producing a lot more um, uh, like, you know, greenhouse gases emission and so you had said um that uh Haley had a vertical cricket farm is that how you guys yeah. farm so it's like a much smaller space because it's all kind of upward and yeah so, okay yeah exactly think about like as a very a beautifully organized shelf great oh <laughs> like a beautiful organized yeah. shelf almost like imagine if you could take a section of a library take out the books and put in there like kind of like boxes that you use to organize like your shelf mm-hmm. and inside of it you have the crickets that's how it is that's so cool so it's like it's like you're like walking around like a beautifully organized shelf and i mean what we had was um was the size of a room and you could just have like you know almost if you put shelves into into a room and you know maybe create a couple a couple lines lanes you have um you can have a lot of shelves and you can grow a lot of crickets so with the cricket protein and the spirulina and like peanut, yeah. all of that, are each treat, are they um, a complete protein? Like they have all of the amino acids. Right. right. So, so yeah. So that's the other thing that's super interesting. Cricket protein is a complete protein. And so by when, when we say complete protein, what that means is, is that um, there are uh, 10 amino acids that your dog needs. Um, and, um, they're telling me acids that your dog need to break down like the food and the protein and ensure that, you know, um, it's going to be able to, uh, to kind of properly process the food that we're feeding. Um, and cricket protein as all of that. So like by feeding cricket protein to your dog, you are better. That's why we say it's highly digestible and then supports the gut. It's because you are enabling them to, to, you're enabling their system to kind of perform at its best. Um, and that's one of the things that we study when we did like it, we did a gut health study, uh, a microbiome. Um, and so that was really cool. And like, and it's crazy because like to do all of that, you basically are looking at how are dogs reacting over a period of time. Um, and you look at their poop. Um, and yeah, so it's pretty interesting. That is. So, um, you mentioned with the gut health and that the recipes are hypoallergenic. So, how do you yeah. ensure that it's all hypoallergenic? And also just for the listeners, like what does hypoallergenic mean to you? Yeah. Yeah. So hypoallergenic means that um, there are like when you look at ingredient, um, 
effectively they're like ingredients that tends to create a lot less allergies. So like for the most part, dogs are allergic to chicken and beef, like being like very common allergies. Uh, soy is a very common allergy. Um, another thing that um, I am not sure like how what it ranks uh, on the allergy side, but we for sure know that it has caused a lot of recalls is like pea protein mm-hmm. um, and like chickpeas and um, and all of that, which is actually very interesting because that's what typically it's used to make alternative protein in humans, right? Mm-hmm. Beyond meat is a lot of pea protein, but you couldn't that you couldn't do that as well with your dog because it's a lot harder for them to break down that protein. Oh, interesting. Okay, so it's just it has so, like the main allergens eliminated. Yeah. So so basically, like hypoallergenic means that the protein choice that we made and ingredient selection that we made is studied such that it's unrare for it would be it would, it's really rare so it's really rare for your dog to be allergic to mm-hmm. it and it's and then um and then we were able to prove that out with a gut health study that lo- indeed look at like how um how how um like over time how it's chipping impacting the gut and the gut health of your dog and the gut health is critical because um i mean if you think about for yourself, um, if you think about it for yourself, like when your gut is hurting, you're likely to be in a bad mood. Mm-hmm. You're likely to be in pain. Um, and you're likely to like be somewhat like it just kind of, it, I mean, it, it's terrible mentally and it's terrible physically. Right. Um, and actually this is like kind of off topic and kind of funny, but like, um, I have a friend who is an emer- emergency doctor and, um, I asked him, like, what is the one thing that people always thank you for, you know, when they come in for an emergency? And and I, I thought it was going to be a pregnancy. <laughs> I thought it was going to be like, you know, like women come in, like they need to, to, to give birth to their babies and, um, and it's an emergency and, you know, they're in pain. And he actually told me that the things that people thank him, thank him the most for is when, you know, he helped them poop. Oh. And... <laughs> And and if you think about it, that is so true because every time that you see your dog in pain, it's typically related to an issue that's relating with your gut. Mm-hmm. That's that makes and so much sense. Yeah. And so I think that, and that's why I think that you know historically, like nutrition isn't necessarily something that they have thought in veterinary school. They because just like and it's that's the same thing that like he was telling me like in med school. He was like, you know, you, we don't talk about nutrition enough. Like you talk about like what is the antibiotic that you need to give your patient, being dog or human. Um, but you don't talk about how this how can this food alleviate this pain or how can this food reduce the inflammation or how can this food improve your mood or improve how your how you're feeling, right? And that applies to humans and that applies to dogs. Mm-hmm. Um and any living creature, frankly. And so I think um I think that that is something that people are increasingly more aware of, that we are increasingly paying a lot more attention. And and what I'm really excited about is to think about those two tracks, right? Climate change and, and nutrition being so tightly correlated. And they're tightly correlated at a personal level for how we feel, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And they're tightly correlated at a macro level um, for for kind of everything that's happening in the world, being like traditional agriculture and traditional food making. and um 
and the kind of urgent climate situation and climate emergency that we live in. I mean, I'm not trying to be negative. I'm not, um, I don't think, that, you know, by the time this episode comes out, like, you know, hopefully we'll still remember. But I mean, if you think of, I think of all of our customers in Texas. Mm-hmm. I don't have any family in Texas, so like I can only think of, of our customers, but like it's devastating. Yeah. Like we literally got customer messages saying like, hey guys, like I want to send you this picture, but I can't because I'm doing X, Y, and Z. I'm like, don't worry about the picture. <laughs> Tell me like you don't have electricity. You don't have hot water. Like your apartment is frozen. Like you have snow inside. I mean, like that is crazy. Yeah. I, th- I think it's so true what you were saying. You know, it, it can help your dog physically. But the the mental and emotional attachment as far as to client change. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's just this underlining guilt yeah. that you just feel as a person who's aware of these issues. And so if you can make a decision to help that issue in any small way, yeah, then it's like, why not? Yeah. 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 And yeah. that's the thing that like I don't want people to feel guilty. I don't I feel that like I I I and I feel that like that's a function of like again, like I mean, that's why I think marketing and brand are so interesting because you can really like impact how people are thinking about problems. And like, we shouldn't be feeling guilty about the climate. Like that's, this is not the time to feel guilty. Like who cares? What happened, happened. Like, let's understand why it happened. Yeah. Right. And let's do something about it. And I mean, I think that like, you know, Greta Thunberg said it, like top scientists have said it, like people just more broadly around, align around like, the opportunities. This is, isn't just kind of a sad, devastating topic. I think it's an exciting one. I think it's one that it's like literally like ripe with opportunity, right? Like from, like from energy to food to technology. I mean, it's just honestly like it's going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. I think I actually think that, um, I'm very excited about the way I think, um, the way I think young people like ourselves are starting to frame like climate change. And I think a lot of it, there is like this kind of parallel with like America going to the moon. Mm. Right. Like, you know, like it was like this moonshot opportunity. The of, new frontier kind yeah. of thing. It's like yeah. being a new frontier that like the U S was able to like leave. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think it's, it should be that same excitement. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Well, one of our taglines for the podcast is interviewing or one of our kind of mission statements is interviewing game-changing pet parents. Yeah. And I think you and Haley are definitely hitting the nail on the head with that. I'm 100%. so happy that we had this conversation. Um, I think that was actually all of our questions mm-hmm. for you. So if people do want to find Chip In, take that small step, as Izzy said, for ecological change, reducing the carbon paw print, where can they find Chip In and your guys' information? Yeah, so... Um, they can find Chippin at chippinpet.com. Um, and we, we, we try to explain everything that we can. And all the research that we did, it's all explained on our website. Um, also they can reach out directly to us on Instagram at Chippin Time. Um, we, there is a real human answering every single questions that pet parents have, and we're always happy to talk. Um, or, um, they can find us, um, on, on Amazon, on amazon.com. Um, and in the kind of small boutique stores and a few other larger ones as well. But like, um, yeah, chipping, chipping is in a lot of places. We try to be as accessible as we can. Um, I would say the first place where to stop by is our website. Perfect. Laura, this has been amazing. You've given us so much great info. Um, just for all the listeners, our info is at with a dog podcast for Instagram. Facebook group is I'm with a dog. 
And our TikTok is also at with the dog podcast. And thank you again for all of this info. And yeah, hopefully our listeners will will connect with you and get some awesome chip in treats. Yes, thank you so much. Always happy to share. Um, Okay, guys, thank you so much. Thank Thank you. you. See you next week, everyone. Bye. All content on With a Dog Podcast is for informational purposes only and should not replace professional advice, treatment, or diagnosis by a certified veterinarian, trainer, or behaviorist.